Hey friends, my name is Claudine. Welcome to the Embodied Catholic Woman. This podcast is for Catholic women who are looking for a holistic approach to well-being that is rooted in faith. You'll learn how to manage your thoughts, feel your feelings, and regulate your nervous system so you can fully embody your feminine genius. Let's do it. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Embodied Catholic Woman podcast. My name is Claudine, and I'm so excited to be here for episode 23. This episode is going to be a fun one. This one is about becoming the CEO of your life. And I'm not talking about the chief executive officer, but the chief embodiment officer becoming the chief embodiment officer of your life. So what does that mean? What does that mean, right? So in my coaching methodology, the framework that I teach is based on sacred rest, sacred work, and sacred play. And essentially, that framework is all about integrating mind, body, and spirit to really have an experience of this whole fulfilling, purpose-driven life, the life that God created you for and created you to live. And really, this is where embodiment comes in. Because embodiment is simply about inhabiting yourself, about fully inhabiting yourself. And I have a whole episode dedicated to what is embodiment? Because I do get that question often, you know, what does it mean? Is it new age? Is it something that, you know, I can do or I can practice as a Catholic woman? And so I answer those questions in the episode. But in this episode, I really wanted to bring that down um, and make it a little bit more practical and more actionable about what does that, what does that look like? in several of my my programs, I, I talk about embodying your feminine genius. So what does that mean? Well, this is what I mean by becoming the chief embodiment officer of your life. It's about being fully present in your life in the moment. So wherever you are, whatever your season is, like being fully there. But the challenge is that our heart wounds, our traumas from the past, the experiences that we have had, that's often what keeps us stuck, either living in the past and ruminating about the past and living from a place of fear, not wanting to repeat the past, or we're way out into the future, but we're catastrophizing about it, right? We're worried about the future. We're trying to control the future. We're afraid to surrender and to let go because we want to control the outcomes. So when we're either stuck in the past or we're catastrophizing about our future, we're not available, we're not fully available to what God wants to do in our lives in this moment, but we're also not available for what he's asking from us. So we really want to cultivate the skill of embodiment, of being fully present in the moment. And it really is a moment to moment practice. 
it isn't like one day you're embodied and you're fully embodied and you never get disembodied. There are lots of ways that we can get disembodied throughout our day, throughout our life. But it's important to remember that the present moment is where we really do have access to wisdom and grace. There's a reason we say in the Lord's Prayer to give us this day our daily bread. We're requesting, we're pleading for, we're asking God for our daily sustenance, our daily dose of wisdom, our daily dose of grace. And really, if you think about it, the present moment is really the only moment that we have because no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. No one knows how much time they have left. And so the present moment is really the only moment in time that we have. And it's the only point in time where we actually can take action, right? Because we can't change the past. We can't go back and undo something that happened to us or undo something that maybe we did. And the future isn't here yet. So our greatest point of impact, it happens in the present moment. And even when we do this healing work, this trauma work, it's not really about going back to the past and, and, and getting stuck there and endlessly like talking about it. It really is about going back into the past, just dipping into the past and bringing those, those parts that are stuck there, we're kind of bringing them up to speed. We're bringing them into the present. And this is why embodiment is such an important skill for Catholic women to learn and to practice. And so in this episode, I'm going to share with you 10 ways that you can start becoming, start stepping into the role of the chief embodiment officer of your life. So the first way is, of course, rooting yourself in a sacramental life. So this is all about fully disposing yourself of the sacraments, embracing the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, right? That comes from Lumen Gentium. It's literally our life force. So without that, we have no life within us, right? I invite you to read John 6 and the Bread of Life Discourse. That's probably my favorite passage in scripture because it's beautiful and it beautifully reminds us of the importance of the Eucharist. And it's it's sad because, you know, I'm a convert and it's sad because so many uh, Protestant faiths, they don't, they don't get it. And that has been my biggest gift, my biggest grace in converting is finally having access to the Eucharist. And so embracing the Eucharist, embracing the sacrament of reconciliation, of penance, right? Of recognizing when we fall short and bringing those shortcomings to the light. Anything that's hidden in darkness, 
anything that we're trying to brush aside or push under the rug, it just festers in the dark. And that's the beauty of the sacrament of reconciliation. It, it literally restores us to life. It restores that relationship that we have with God, that friendship that we have with God when we have sinned or when we have done something that has severed that connection in a sense. And the sacraments are really this outward or physical sign of inward grace. And so really embracing the sacraments, fully participating in the sacramental life helps us to embody ourselves more fully. The second way is prayer and specifically an embodied form of prayer. And what I mean by that is really immersing yourself into your prayer life. So not just trying to check off the prayers, like, okay, I did my rosary today. I did liturgy of the hours today. Check, check, check. No, really diving into this conversation. This is really what prayer is. It's a discourse, a conversation with God. And whether that's a more mental form of prayer, more com contemplative form of prayer, more meditative form of prayer, vocal prayer, sung prayer, whatever it is, really being fully present in this conversation, in this dialogue, in this discourse that you're having with God. And I think sometimes prayer can just become this thing that we know we're supposed to do. And so we just, we just say the words, you know, the Bible talks about this concept of vain repetition. And as a Protestant, when what I really learned about that was it was more about not repeating prayers or not saying prayers that are written in a book per se, but that's not really what vain repetition means. What I think vain repetition means is when we get into this sort of ritual of just saying prayers without any embodiment involved, without fully being present. And I think we all do this. You know, there may be moments when you're distracted at mass or you, you have your, you know, liturgy of the hours book and you're just kind of reading and just trying to get through it, right? You just have 10 minutes and you're just trying to get it done or maybe it's the end of the day and you're, you're doing your exam and, and we sort of rush through it. And that happens to all of us. But what we really want to do is to pause, to slow down, to become really present with what we are saying and realizing that we are literally having an audience with the king. And imagine that you were invited to, I don't know, pick your favorite king from your favorite monarchy or maybe your favorite queen. And imagine that you were invited to an audience to speak with the king or the queen. Imagine how you would prepare yourself. Imagine what you would be thinking. Imagine what your posture would be. So how much more should we do that in our prayer life with our Heavenly Father? And of course, Eucharistic adoration is probably the most profound form of prayer that you can do as well. So the third way to become the chief embodiment officer of your life is embodied worship. 
So we're lucky that as Catholics, this embodiment is already built into our faith, right? So at mass, we genuflect, we stand, we sit, we kneel, we make the sign of the cross. So our body is already involved in prayer. And really that's important because it really engages ourself fully. And again, it helps us to, to bring more presence to the experience of worship and to mass. But again, how many times are we at mass and we're distracted or we're just going through the motions, we're not paying attention, you, you know, we're just, we're just there, we're there, but we're not there, we're a little bit dissociated from what's happening at, at mass. And so really, really asking yourself, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And the benefit of being a convert is, I mean, even though I went to Catholic school, K through 12, so I was exposed to mass quite early on, but the benefit of being a convert is that I had to like learn these things again. Like even though my, my body had the memory of going to mass, you know, in school, and I remembered, you know, the responses and I remembered the, the physical movements and things like that. When I was going through RCIA, I had to really learn and understand, but why, why are we doing these things? Why are we doing these things, right? And so again, our, our beautiful faith gives us this opportunity to go more deeply in our wisdom, in our reverence at mass and in other forms as well. So outside of mass, if you're at home, if you're praying at home, you have a little, you know, a little chapel or a little prayer altar, whatever that is, or you're in nature really bringing your full self, your full body into the experience. The fourth way is to really take care of your body, which according to St. Paul in the first letter to the Corinthians chapter six, he talks about the body as really being this temple of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? That the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us we receive the graces, the fruits, the gifts of the Holy Spirit at baptism and also at confirmation. And so we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so what does that mean? We don't wanna offend the Holy Spirit in our temple. So we really wanna prioritize taking good care of ourselves. So allowing for sacred rest allowing for sacred play, exercising, nourishing our bodies with healthy food, hydrating, taking good care of our mental and emotional health, having relationships and connections in our lives that support us and serve us, and also honoring our relationships with other people by having boundaries, because boundaries are healthy for relationships. And really taking care of our temple, it really extends to taking care of other people because when you are able to take care of yourself, you're going to have more to give to other people. Sometimes we get it backwards. Sometimes we think, well, I have to give everybody else everything, right? Maybe if you're a mom or maybe if you are taking care of you know, a sick family member or 
you are a, a healthcare worker or you do volunteer work or philanthropic work or whatever, sometimes the tendency is to, to overgive and not to prioritize yourself, but really recognizing that you are this temple of the Holy Spirit and you can only give what you have received. And so you want to pour into yourself so that you can pour back into other people. The fifth way for you to become the CEO of your life is engaging in somatic practices. So these are practices that help to regulate a dysregulated nervous system. So what does that mean? So really understanding that our nervous system plays such a critical role in our mental and emotional health and well-being. And fortunately, neuroscience research is exploding in this area and has really shown that a lot of our experiences, a lot of our perceptions of life and our experiences with other people and with the world in general, really comes down to the level of safety that we feel based on the health of our nervous system, how regulated our nervous system is. And so understanding how your nervous system works and understanding how to literally regulate it, how to manage it in real time is so important. So it really involves going in, becoming more attuned to what's happening inside of you in the present moment so that you can basically adjust and titrate and heal. This is how we heal in real time. The sixth way is to really engage your senses. So your senses are how you experience the world in a more, in a more visceral way. And so really inviting your senses to help you become more present can be very healing and can be very impactful. And you can use your senses not only in your daily life, so that could be savoring a piece of fruit or a piece of chocolate, or it could be going to a museum and seeing a beautiful work of art or going to the opera and hearing a beautiful piece of music that moves you to tears. That's Those are some ways that you can stimulate your senses, but you can also bring this into your prayer life as well. And again, in our faith, we have so many, so many ways that our senses are stimulated. So there's the sacred music at mass or the incense that's sometimes burned at mass, the lighting of candles, right? This, these beautiful structures, these cathedrals, these chapels. There's a reason that the church is designed the way that it is because it, again, it brings us into this more embodied form of worship. And so you can also do this in your home as well. How can you engage your senses in your home, in your environment? The seventh way is a very important one, and it's really becoming that gift of self. And John Paul II talked about that, um, about really giving yourself to other people, giving yourself to another. And really, our mission in this life is to love. And that could be the love of a spouse. 
It could be the love of friendships. It could be the love in community and religious community, religious life, serving other people in the world through volunteer work. Whatever it is, however you are called to love, it's realizing that your body is part of the process. Your body becomes an instrument of love. It becomes an instrument of service. And so when we engage in acts of service and acts of kindness, in being hospitable to other people, in maybe using our talents and our time and our treasure to support charitable endeavors, that's when you're really becoming this gift of self. And you can also look at your relationships, the health of the relationships in your life. Is there room for you to be more giving of yourself in relationships? Are you holding back? Are you not being vulnerable? Are you not sharing your heart with others? So becoming the chief embodiment officer is all about really giving yourself, not to the point of exhaustion, not to the point of you know self-martyrdom, which we just talked about in the fourth, but really, it's really about becoming that that gift of self that's going to bless other people in imitation of Jesus, who at the Last Supper washed his disciples' feet, right? Here's, here's God, God made man coming down from heaven, and he's bending down and he's washing the feet of his disciples. So he's leaving that as an example for us. If God himself can do that, how much more are we able to become a humble gift of self to other people. The eighth way is embodied reflection. And this is really part of that sacred inner work where you are setting aside time for reflection and for journaling and for really exploring those heart wounds from the past and how they're keeping you stuck and how you can actually move forward in your life. And so there are so many practices that you can do through personal development, through coaching, through, you know, courses, things that you can do to really make time for this embodied reflection. But you can also just set aside time for reflection by being in nature, by going for a walk or by finding the beauty in life. Again, whether that's through art, whether that's through music, that could even be through food, enjoying a beautiful meal, enjoying fellowship with other people. So really taking that time for practices that help you to really fully engage and be in an atmosphere where you can turn inward and really reflect the ninth way to become the CEO of your life is really being willing to feel your feelings. This is probably the most challenging one because so many of us are afraid to feel our feelings. We've been taught that feelings are scary, that feelings can be dangerous, that there are good feelings, there are bad feelings. There are feelings that we shouldn't feel as Catholics. Good Catholics don't feel this way, right? And the truth is we're supposed to have feelings. We're supposed to have a range of emotions and they're all okay. 
They're all allowed. An emotion in and of itself is not sinful. It's what you then do when you have the emotion. And that's really important to understand. It's not the emotion that is considered an occasion of sin. It's what you do with that emotion after you experience it. And so what we want to do, which seems counterintuitive, is when we do experience that challenging, that difficult, that quote unquote negative feeling, we actually just want to be in the feeling. We just want to feel it. We want to be fully embodied and fully immersed in the experience of the feeling because that's actually what allows the feeling to shift. If we're not willing to feel it, if we're just in the habit of stuffing down our feelings or numbing out on something else to distract us from our feelings, the problem is the feeling doesn't go anywhere. It just gets buried under layers and layers and layers that end up just keeping you stuck. And so really doing this, again, sacred inner work to understand how to feel your feelings and then what to do with them is, is critical. And the 10th way is to really cultivate joy and aliveness in your life. And that's really important, especially for us as women. We're very, this is, a, this is a very important part of our feminine nature, is really being able to experience this joy, this pleasure in a healthy way, right? Because this is just how we're created, how we're wired as human beings. We are actually wired to enjoy things in life, to avoid things that bring us pain. It's one of the parts of the motivational triad. And experiencing joy, experiencing pleasure can be very challenging for some of us. Some of us believe that we're supposed to default to suffering or that it's maybe more noble or that we should even seek out suffering. But I always say suffering is gonna happen to all of us. There's no need to, to seek it out. There's no need to, to try to to add on more because we all have suffering in this life. It really struck me recently the other day when I was thinking about some of my clients and the different you know situations that they're in. Everybody is suffering, y'all. You are not alone. If you are struggling right now in a particular season, you are not alone in that. And so what you wanna do is really learn the art of finding moments of joy, finding moments of aliveness, even if it's just a tiny crack in the suffering. So important to find that and to let that in. Because we can always find some silver lining to every dark cloud. If you look for it, it's there. So really cultivating the practice of celebrating the beauty that we do have in our life, the goodness that we do have in our life, the people who bring us joy, who matter to us. Really having a sense of gratitude for the things that we do have, despite any suffering, and realizing that you are here now, you were willed by our creator. And even just that should just fill you with wonder and joy. So these are 10 ways that you can really start becoming 
the chief embodiment officer of your life. And it's important to remember that this process of becoming embodied, it really is a lifelong journey. Because if you think about it, from the moment of your conception, you became embodied, right? You, those two cells came together, the, the, the egg and the sperm came together and immediately this process of life began. And cells started to rapidly uh, divide and you formed into an embryo and et cetera, et cetera. So from the beginning, you became this embodiment, this living soul. And so you will always be embodied in this life until you transition to the next. And that's why it's important to understand that this embodiment is a lifelong journey. And there are different, there's like a spectrum of embodiment. So some of us are more on the disembodied side of the scale. We really want to dial that up to becoming more embodied, more fully present, more fully alive. Because from that place, I really believe this, when you are fully embodying your feminine genius, you're going to do what St. Catherine of Siena mentioned. You're going to set this world on fire because there's something that God created you specifically for. There's something that you were created to do. Embodiment helps you to do that. And I understand where we all are in different seasons in our lives. You might be in one season a little bit longer than you want to be in, and it might be more of a winter type season. And that's okay. This embodiment is going to look different in different seasons of your life. So maybe if you're in winter, you're going to be more heavily leaning into rest. Maybe if you're in the energy of, of summer and you have all of this, you know, you have all this creativity and all these ideas, you're going to be really becoming that gift of self. You're going to be going out. You're going to be reaching out to other people and extending yourself because you have so much to give. So this is really an invitation for you to consider how can you start becoming more of that CEO in your life and bringing these practices into your life, whatever season that you're in and adjusting, titrating from there, depending on where you are and how things change. And really when you start to integrate these embodiment habits and practices, it will foster an even deeper prayer life it will foster an even deeper spiritual life and that connection to God. So this is some of the work that we are going to be doing in my new monthly workshop called the Heart Safety Circle. And I specifically created this workshop for Catholic women who are looking for a safe space to process these old emotions, to release tension that is living in your body and your muscles, and to really dive more fully into this journey of healing your heart wounds from the inside out. So the heart safety circle is for you if you're really seeking more emotional balance, if you're seeking a more fully embodied relationship with God. What we'll be doing is coming together each month for prayer, for a mini training to help you understand your nervous system on a deeper level. 
there's a special worksheet that I created specifically uh, that goes along with these workshops. So it'll invite you into journaling practices. You'll check in with your nervous system and see where you are in that moment. And then I'm gonna share with you a series, a sequence of three somatosensory exercises. And there will be a different combination of exercises each month. So no two workshops are gonna look exactly the same. And so the beautiful thing about the Heart Safety Circle is you can come one month, you can not come the next month, you can sign up you know, a couple months after that. But the beauty is that there will be time for you to actively heal in real time, in the moment. There's time for sharing your insights, anything that came up time for Q&A. And really, it's it's really about this idea of co-regulation, which is recognizing that we have this need to connect with other people. So healing in community actually helps us to heal faster. So I will leave information in the show notes about the Heart Safety Circle. The first circle is going to take place on July 16th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And so you've got plenty of time to to sign up. There will be a replay. If you can't make it live, you'll have access to the replay for one full week after the workshop. So you have lots of time to do the tools and to really experience that shift. All right, my friends, that's it for today's episode. I will see you next time. If you'd like to get started on this healing journey, be sure to download my free heart safety guide, a trauma-informed approach to healing for Catholic women. You'll learn all about heart wounds, where they come from, and how to heal them. Just click the link below to download.